0: Hello everyone. Uh, Welcome back to the BioNexus Health Podcast, Autism Uprooted. Today we are continuing with part two of the uh, European Moms Q&A that was organized and uh, we had so many amazing questions that were asked, very useful, very informative. So just be sure to check out part one as well, right? Just so you have the uh, complete picture. So part one and part two are both very pertinent and important questions that I'm sure many of you would like answers to. So um, today this will be part two of the uh, Q and A with autism moms from Europe. So let's go ahead with that.
1: Welcome to the BioNexus Health Podcast with Dr. Jodie A. Dashaw, who holds a PhD in integrative medicine, is board certified in integrative pediatrics, an internationally recognized pioneering clinician and author. And now here's your host of BioNexus Health Podcast, Dr.
0: Jodie A. Dashaw. All right, so we are back. So let's, uh, let's proceed with uh, another question you had from a uh, mom in Germany. She had a question about IgG. The question
1: is, if the limits of an uh, antibody on the lab is less than 10, and the value that's coming to the child or the adult over 500, how do we explain these values and what impact will they have on the body? Okay.
0: Okay, so just the IgG is high. Well, the first thing I would do is look at the subclasses. Which one is high? You know, IgG one, two, three, or four. Okay, there are many reasons for IgG to be high. Could be PANS, could be food sensitivities, could be both, could be leaky gut. Right? Then there are definitely additional labs that need to be done. You you can't base your treatment on IgG being high alone.
1: How does the genetic modifications like in um um wages or on on a west testing yeah kids are coming with modification how do they impact the recovery of the child and the treatment that you might give is there like for example is that child able to recover a hundred percent or is just Decreasing the chances of um, recovery when you've got a genetic condition,
0: along with autism. Yes, right. Uh, right off the bat, no one recovers a hundred percent. Not even my own son. All right. So it will all depend on what percentage the autism symptoms are caused by underlying issues. And when we treat the underlying issues, I typically see, you know, uh, in children on an average, 70 to 80% of symptoms get better right there. So 70 to 80% of symptoms were because of the underlying comorbidities. When addressed, those healed. Now that brings you to the remaining 20%. That is where repair and regeneration comes into play because we know that that the remaining symptoms is most probably the autism, right? The real autism, you know, not the false diagnosis that, that we corrected. Now with regeneration strategies, you can recover more. So with my son, we reached, On on a good day, 95%. So nobody recovers 100%, but, you know, there are certainly strategies that can be used. Um, Now, there was something in this question, what, uh, what part did I not answer?
1: No, I think you did. With the genetic condition, what does it
0: Yes, mean? yes. Okay, so um, let's, let's go back to that. That's something that, yeah, I don't think I, I did full justice to the genetic, right. So now, genetic issues. It could be a genetic mutation. Could be a large number of genetic mutations. It could be genetic predispositions. Okay, so let's talk first about mutations and then predispositions. Mutations, there can be a lot of mutations that are identified in a special needs child. Now, just because there is a mutation, so what? Everyone has mutations. That doesn't mean that that particular mutation is the gene is expressing. So, gene expression is a very important part of what we treat and what uh, moms and dads need to understand for their autistic child, right? There are um, many genetic tests out there that, you know, will map the full genome and say, oh my gosh, this is an issue. Wow, that's an issue. Yeah, sure. Research has shown that, you know, almost a hundred genes can be uh, off track in a child with autism, that's the reason why genetic treatment option for autism failed. You know, when they mapped the human genome, there was a large amount of hope, of course, for cancer and whatnot, but also for autism. Hey, let's see, you know, what genes are responsible? Can we do some genetic engineering? Can we uh, can we do something about it? But they found that almost hundred genes uh, are off track in a child with autism. So then they developed testing. So parents looking for answers pay a lot of money for genetic testing. But the most important thing to understand is that there are many factors that can turn the genes off and on. Okay, your environmental toxins can affect the mitochondria. When the metabolism of the mitochondria inside your cells is affected, gene expression, what genes are turned on, what are turned off, that is affected. So you know how they say that some families have whatever, you know, genetic, let's say Huntington's disease, right? But sometimes it skips a generation. What is that? You know, if it is genetic, it is meant to happen every time. Why does it skip a generation? That's probably because the, that generation did uh, the right things, lived the right way, made the right choices, so that is one theory, and I see that theory come true, you know, very often. Next, we are going to genetic predispositions, right? So genetic predispositions, like for example, you know, if if you see uh, for women the breast cancer gene, the BRCA, right? Oh, I have it. Okay, just because you have it doesn't it mean that you go get bilateral mastectomy. Heck no, right? You need to investigate if you have, what is your level of toxicity and what is your risk that that will express itself. So if you are predisposed, you have to understand the mechanisms of your immune system, what is happening, how to reduce the risk factors. That is the way to proceed. So if there is any genetic issues, uh, that does not you know, exclude that child from being treated. That is a, a small part of what uh, what could be the connection with autism, a very small part.
1: And basically, this happens as well in the um, syndromes as well. For example, uh, the particular person that is asking is Christina, and she's talking about coffin series. She's been diagnosed with a syndrome, which obviously includes many genes that are, Put under so it's it's going to be the same.
0: Correct. Yes. Remember the um, the earlier answer I had given that you know children with genetic issues mm-hmm. develop multi system multi organ issues as well simply because of um, what's going on genetically and what has not been addressed. If there is autism, obviously there are many things that have been not been addressed. You know, uh, basic biomedical treatment doesn't always address everything, especially if you're not seeing improvements with uh, with, yeah, with biomedical treatment, sorry. Uh-huh. So um, when it comes to syndromes, you know, cerebral palsy, fragile X, uh, many of these conditions, you will see that uh, in first of all, very sadly, the life expectancy is not great. The life expectancy is just, Accept it. Hey, you know, there's this syndrome. So, you know, I'm not going to have my child for more than 20, 15, 20, 30 years. Why? You know, you should absolutely do the due diligence and understand what is really going on. Don't just put blindfold on and say, hey, it's a syndrome, you know, that's it. So I'm, I'm going to accept that I won't have my child after so many years. I I would not advise that. Don't accept that.
1: Thank you. Um, Another question is about a neurotypical child, um, puberty age, he's 14. He's uh, got severe um, hormonal imbalances, also with um, uh, breast tissue. And of course, this is creating loads of Uh, depressions and uh, the parents are asking is there anything you can do to help him due to the fact that he's um, 14 and he's now going through puberty and especially that he the tissue is so advanced can the natural healing be uh, something for him to look into?
0: yes absolutely we have to look at hormonal disruptors we have to identify uh, endocrine disruptors for this child and in the meantime you know the one thing to stop would be stop eating fast food okay if, if he uh, she it's it's a female no it's a boy it's a boy a breast tissue yes okay so gynecomastia in boys then that is, um, you know, um, yes, definitely stop eating processed food, junk food, fast food immediately.
1: Okay. And there is hope for him as well. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Great. Thank you. Now let's go on to the adults questions. Um, There is Tina she said, um, I'm diagnosed with borreliosis chronic and loads of co-infections. She's got, oh no, it's still a child uh, question. She's got a four year year, um, old girl. Uh, She's done the testing and she's got negative IgG and IgM, but not the co-infections. So the co-infections are positives. Um, What could, Switch on the Borrelia and what can she do now before she go into the same symptoms as the mom is going through now? At the moment the mom is doing immunity immunity boosting uh, treatments based on
0: plants. Oh no. Right. Well, if mom is doing immune boosting, it's it's better than you know giving it to the child, I guess. But uh, yeah,
1: no, the mom is giving the
0: child immune boosting. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that is not a good idea. Uh, I've already explained this in in an earlier question. So this IgM and IgG Borreliosis negative is whose lab results, mom or child? The the girl child. The girl child. Okay. Is okay.
1: negative for borreliosis, but is positive for co-infections.
0: Right. Uh, such a thing doesn't exist. Uh, being positive for co-infections probably came from the same source. Now understand that Lyme disease has uh, tropism and immune suppressive. There are many articles research on this. So the tropism means it exists in many different forms. And lab tests are not available for all the different forms of Lyme disease. The spore form, the L form, the the blebs, now spirochete, there are lab tests, right? So for all the forms, we don't have lab testing. Uh, Additionally, the immune suppression, Lyme disease suppresses the immune system. And where do you think IgG, IgM comes from? Your immune system. Immune system produces the IgG and IgM. So when there are co-infections, it would be negligent to assume that Lyme is negative. Lyme needs to be treated first. Co-infections can be eradicated. Okay, eradicated. Herbally, naturally, if the herbs are powerful enough, if if, if the protocol is accurate, the co-infections can go, bye-bye. But the Lyme disease can only be put into remission. Okay, and it is immune suppressive. So the first order of day is to address the Lyme disease. So, you know, uh, hopefully your practitioner understands that Lyme disease, the, the lab tests are very often false negative. Now, I don't know if a Western blot was done. Western blot in these cases will show at least a band 41 because they're already established co-infections. So it's very important to address Lyme. And no immune boosting, please.
1: We've got another question from Dorina. I think she's here online. She said, I'm diagnosed with uh, chronic poreliosis and loads of co-infections. Her symptoms started eight years ago, but she's got the diagnosis one year and a half ago. Um she's been all through this year to rheumatology, she's done all kinds of treatments for the um, autoimmune disease, polyarthritis, um Bumatoid polyarthritis. Yes. Um, since she has found out that she's got brucellosis, she has stopped all the treatment for autoimmune disease and started the treatment with antibiotics. The question is: is it normal to feel worse? after the antibiotic than before she's got a period since she's more uh, blocked and doesn't have any mobility and she's walking very very hard. Okay.
0: This is late stage Lyme disease and there is always co-infections so if only Lyme disease has. First of all, it's been identified after many years of damage already caused. So, Lyme disease and co-infections have already caused damage. Lyme disease is very closely associated with autoimmune. So, yes, arthritis. Um, you know, I was myself diagnosed with <clears throat> with MS, uh, some kind of inflammatory arthritis. They they couldn't put their uh, finger on it. You know, back in the day, and chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, depression, anxiety, oh my gosh, it was a long list, you know, and I was overweight because of mold toxins uh, affecting the brain. And it it was just complete nightmare. But uh, all of those went away. Now, do you treat, uh, okay, no, wait, let me go back. This is very complicated, poor lady. Um, okay, so damage has been done. If you're doing the modern treatments for autoimmune conditions, it's, it's it's just suppressive. You know, they just suppress your immune system. They give you very toxic anti-inflammatories, which are can cause a pretty bad leaky gut and gut inflammation. Uh, so that is the modern treatment. You know, methotrexate. And Humira, these are uh, 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 very toxic treatments. They shut down the immune system, steroids sometimes. So if you stop the treatment, well, good, you know, in my opinion. But I don't know if it is good for your condition if you're not treating everything properly, right? So if you're not treating borreliosis correctly and co-infections, then your autoimmune conditions will continue to deteriorate. Soft tissue is attacked by Borrelia. Uh, environmental toxins also create enzymes that attack the soft tissue. Soft tissue, meaning you know, cartilage, joint, muscles. Um, so I hope that answers your question. Now that you know there is Borreliosis, it's, it's a gift, meaning the knowledge is a gift, not Borreliosis, obviously. The knowledge is a gift, and remember to use the knowledge properly. You know, uh, the universe is giving you a chance to get better. And, and if, if, depending on your age, you can get really better and get rid of all of these autoimmune conditions.
1: Uh, yeah, the question was in regards to the antibiotics, is it okay to feel worse anti- after antibiotics? Than before when you were just treating the autoimmune disease.
0: Okay, so that is a die off reaction. You know, it doesn't matter uh, what treatment you use to treat, everyone goes through Herxheimer or die off reaction. And the practitioner giving you antibiotics, treating for Lyme disease, you know, uh, probably has explained to you or should have explained to you what uh, Herxheimer and uh, die off reactions can happen. And, you know, there are strategies, there are techniques. You don't just go ahead and explode a a grenade in somebody's body. Here, you have Lyme, do antibiotics. That's not done. The body needs to be supported first, and then you start using the antibiotics. And are antibiotics needed? No. You know, you can do it completely naturally. But some people prefer to do antibiotics, but it needs to be done properly.
1: Right. Um, Ovidio was asking um, on the chat if there are any news about ASLX2 and if a child with the values of CMV, which is cytomegalovirus, um, IgG, it's 101, HHV6, IgG positive, Epstein Barr virus positive, um, IgM
0: positive, is this Lyme or it's PANS or panus? Can be both, based on the labs, yes, it could be both.
2: Um, And there is another question in
1: regards epilepsy. For example, if a child is sleeping, is not sleeping comfortably during the whole night, but the crises are happening all the time between the five and seven in the morning, What would be the cause, the link? What's happening with the body in that period, having to fight fight Lyme and epilepsy? Is there a link? Is something happening? Is there, what would be the cause of this
2: exact time when the crises are happening? Detoxification and brain inflammation.
0: Lack of sleep, obviously right? So the brain is not healing, not just the brain, the the entire body heals when there is nice sleep, you know, when there is good sleep, deep sleep, it is an absolute necessity for all of us. So uh, even if there are broken periods, you know, three hours deep sleep, then you're up, like many children do that. Like Brian used to wake up every two and a half hours coughing and uh, other pants issues, but then he would go back to sleep and sleep deep again. And, you know, so, so on and so forth. So sleep deprivation is huge issue for anyone, right? More so for a child. Uh, Detoxification happens during the sleep hours. Inflammation uh, is resolved, healing occurs. Now, if those things are not happening, then obviously the toxicity level adds up. And, you know, for this child, that threshold level, that trigger threshold level seems to be between 5 and 6 a.m. Great.
1: Thank you very and much. We know.
0: Oh, you're welcome. We know that line, you know, there's plenty of research that line crosses the blood brain barrier, it causes uh, brain damage um, and, you know, brain inflammation.
1: Definitely. Uh, I'll finish my set of questions. Is, if there is anyone else here that would like to address a question you're more than welcome just raise your hands or unmute your microphone
0: yes yep the floor is open if anyone has any questions and if you need Alexandra to translate that's fine
3: definitely yeah
0: doesn't have to be in English
3: hi I'm Mariana hi
0: hi Mariana how you doing
3: Okay. Um, So once the brain is damaged from Lyme and co-infection, and there is a lot of symptoms and everything, there is hope we can healing the brain again to come back like before.
0: Yes, absolutely. Not like before. No one gets better 100%, right? But many children, the actual brain damage will heal, but not to a hundred percent, Many children, it does. I, I have seen the brain MRIs go back to normal, but behaviorally, physiologically, that is just, you know, um, not possible. Now, remember I explained earlier that if, for example, hypothetically speaking, 80% of autism is caused by PANS, for example, then 80% of symptoms associated with PANS will will get better. There, there's gonna be the 20% left and those will be your, you know, the 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 real autism then. And those we have to address in a completely neurological and sensory integration manner, right? So there is hope there. But like I said, for my son, we were able to get up to 95%, not 100%, you know, is not going to happen for anyone, any one of us, even if it's an adult. Okay. Now, you know, can anyone recognize that, that this child has issues? No. Unless there is, you know, a physical issue, like um, with Brian, we have a physical issue with the neck, but even that, you know, it's not, if he's standing in front of you, you can't say that there's something wrong with him once he starts talking. So in that way, you can say, yes, you know, it's back to having a normal life, right? Uh, So that I've had many children. Now, uh, brain damage, as I mentioned earlier, brain repair and brain regeneration of neurons is entirely possible using herbal medicine.
3: And this if this um, is implying ticks and twitching in his face with treatment, can we hope that this will disappear with time? At uh, least? Motor
0: ticks, right Motor ticks yes. uh, some of them are because of damage and some of them are because that it's an autoimmune condition. All right So when we start repairing and regenerating, the gut, the neurons, uh, that's when anything that is associated with damage will get better. And the motor tics, you know, oftentimes children have many different motor tics. And some of the motor tics are purely associated with autoimmunity. So remember, autoimmune, there's no cure for that. Anytime there is, you know, you, you can't say that, okay, my son has pants. Um, you know, all this, uh, most of the symptoms are gone. So now I can do whatever I want. You know, we can go in the mold, we can eat whatever, we can get mosquito bites, insect bites, nothing is going to happen. I can get strep, he can get strep. No, that doesn't work that way, right? It's an autoimmune condition. So whenever there is a trigger, you will see some symptoms coming back. Now, those symptoms will go away pretty quickly, but you will see some symptoms coming back, right? Um, I always like to give uh, an example with my son. You know, we had uh, body shaking, neck shaking, eye blinking, vocal tics, uh, uh, uh You know, we had those vocal tics um, and all of those went away except the head shakes, the slight head shake, you know, he would go like this. Even now he does that. So that's a clue to me that why is your pants acting up? And then, you know, I'll find out that he was eating at a restaurant two days in a row. Like yesterday's lunch and today's lunch was at a restaurant. Like you can't do that, you know, or after coming back from the restaurant, he forgot to do his detox, so, you know, it's as simple as that. Now, I actually carry um, a daily OM blend and a detox spray in my purse. So when I eat at restaurants, because for me, muscle cramping is is the autoimmune that happens because of the line that I've overcome, you know, and as Alexandra was explaining earlier, the adult pants. So maybe that's what it is for me, you know, that that's what I'm I'm suspecting that because you know there's a muscle cramp that goes right down my back. It feels like crazy sciatica and it stays there for days. So I have to be careful, you know, because many times restaurants uh, they say gluten-free, but it it becomes contaminated, you know, inadvertently by one of the staff members. You know, there, there's no guarantees. So I, I always carry the, the daily OM blend, which kills all, uh, all the bacteria. It's very broad spectrum. And then the detox spray is always with me. Uh, I use that at the dentist office after the procedure. Um, I use that in a restaurant after I eat. It's literally in my purse. So that's what uh, Brian has it in his uh, backpack at school. Sometimes he forgets and I'll see his uh, head shake happening. So, but, you know, it goes away within, within a day or two. I just increase the ISM blend, the immune system modulating blend. I increase the SS blend for a couple of days and things go back to normal.
1: Thank Great. you so much. You're welcome. Um, I've got here Simona Lungu with Marianne, her husband. She's your patient.
0: Ah, uh-huh. yes, yes. And
1: uh, they are asking if... Um, the muscle of her lung would be like, um, not so strong anymore, it's just going of on my head. Um, would it be treatable? And also, when can she get rid of the mask, the breathing mask?
0: <laughs> well, that is a very complicated question that needs to be answered at her appointment, is okay. what I would recommend, right? do muscles heal? Um, skeletal muscles, meaning striated muscles, yeah. they heal faster in my experience than smooth muscles. Smooth muscles have a more complicated neurological association. So those will take, you know, the, the body has smooth muscles and skeletal muscles, both kinds. And they are both affected many times for different reasons. Now, those reasons have not yet been identified for Simona. So we will explore that at the lab review appointment. And, you know, uh, by all means, stay in touch with uh, my staff to make sure if your labs have come in. And if they've come in earlier, we can always, you know, I don't mind coming in early to help out a patient, you know, before my office hours, I do that all the time or staying later. So if you want to expedite your appointment, that might be a possibility if we have received all the lab results. Okay. Okay. So yeah, uh, muscle that is damaged. Um, we need to find out why it's damaged, right? now, I don't think there are any answers available, right? I mean, you know, the lo- local doctors have given up.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: If there is someone else with another question. Actually, yeah, actually. Yeah,
0: actually, if I may, you know, just one, I forgot to mention one thing. In labs, often I'll find uh, one marker, right? So just a very small example that when. The body is full of toxins and multiple organ systems get affected by the toxin. Something as simple as glyphosate affects your kidneys, your immune system and the neurological system. Right now, mold, it affects even more body systems, the liver, the gut, the brain, the immune system as well. So if these toxins add on in your body, they accumulate they eventually affect the mitochondria in your cells. The mitochondria cannot work the way they want to work. It's called as hypometabolism, meaning reduced uh, metabolism of the mitochondria. Now, what happens is recovery from anything. In the beginning, it comes across as recovery from exercise is very slow. So what happens when you exercise? Lactic acid develops right? Lactic acidosis. Now, lactic acidosis is seen in labs. Lactic acid is high. That is a major toxin for your muscle and muscle contractions, healthy muscles, mitochondrial function, the energy cycle, they help to pump and clear out the lactic acid. Now, if lactic acid persists, meaning that your recovery is not as normal as it should be, that's when little by little damage starts to happen. Like if if you pour acid over your muscle for a year, what do you think will happen? So this is a, a similar situation Uh, where, you know, people just think, oh, today I'm just extra tired. Nobody really thinks about devastating issues like, oh my God, I have neurological involvement because, you know, um, GPs don't have that kind of awareness still that simple symptoms that are persisting, not going away, need to be investigated quickly and fast, you know, so that the, the treatment is possible. Unfortunately, it, it just takes a uh, uh, very long time sometimes to get diagnosed properly.
1: I think we've got uh,
2: Ramona. That's Hello. Who... Oh, hi,
0: Ramona.
2: Uh, I have a question as well. Um, where, where are you? Yes. I had, uh, I had an uh, EEG scan with my son. He'll be five in September. I had the EEG scan done one year and a half ago. Uh, because he has he had constantly stirring episodes, and uh, he had the EEG scan during the procedure. They cannot see uh, any epilepsy, but they could see some abnormal moves, like um, the I don't know the the scan. It was abnormal a little bit. Okay, and the doctor said uh, most of our our. Even us, we can have, when the EEG scan is done, we can have that abnormal in our brain, but doesn't mean we have epilepsy. Uh, I'm I'm trying to understand, is this can affect the brain? Because my child, he still has like, um, staring episodes, not so often. Um, he doesn't pay attention. Sometimes it seems like he doesn't hear us. Yes, um, okay is not uh, really concentrating. Indeed, he has some earring problem as well, like uh, blue ear, but I don't think it's always the case. Sorry, he has a hearing problem? He's like got blue ear hair.
0: and several strep yeah. infections. Yeah, he's got ear infections and several strep infections, okay. And
1: tonsillitis, okay. if I'm not wrong. And tonsillitis
0: yeah. as well, okay. So, if, so uh, to answer your EEG question, Ramona, Uh, EEG abnormalities indicate inflammation in the brain. It may not be a full-fledged epilepsy, right? Now, when there is brain inflammation in the long term, obviously it is going to cause symptoms. Like uh, staring episodes or... Staring episodes, correct, yes. So I'm actually surprised if there are staring episodes, I would get a second opinion.
2: Um, we actually just been discharged not long ago, like two weeks ago, because he doesn't have like episodes of uh, epilepsy. Like we cannot see anything. Right. Like
0: So he's not having, you know, any EEG changes, but if he is having absence seizures or staring episodes or quick blinking, I don't know. I, I would get a second opinion, but you know, here's the bottom line. Brain inflammation is the bottom
2: line. So, find so out- he might he might have brain inflammation.
1: He
0: has brain
2: inflammation. He
1: has. Can I also mention a link between Ramona and Mariana? They are sisters.
2: <laughs> yeah. I see, okay. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: okay, so uh, uh, doctor, do you think uh, you are able to, to help me with his case if I'll book an appointment with yes, you? Yes,
0: I can help with, uh, you know, fully, full flesh seizures, as well as you know just brain inflammation, of course, yes. I mean, either or. I've had you know children with uh, many times with many seizures a day go down to nothing. Many staring episodes or absent seizures, petite mal seizures, uh, they, they greatly reduced or they completely disappear, will depend on each child and how much damage has already been done.
2: Okay. Okay. So I'll try to book an appointment as soon as possible then. Sure. Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: You're welcome.
1: Thank you a lot for your time and all the answers. Greatly
0: appreciated all the time. Absolutely. No, I hope, uh, you know, it was helpful. I'm, I'm always here. If anyone has any questions, we can do another one. So let's see, you know, there is Ramona, Mariana, Liliana, Dorina. Juliana, uh, Christina, Mihai, again, Dorina, Florentina. uh, There is Simone. There is Alina. I'm so glad you were here. I just wanted to say hi to everyone. And uh, I'm glad you could join us. And you didn't have any questions? Well, you know, maybe the questions were answered, but good. I'm glad you were here. Thank, you, Thank you
3: so much. I'm Jason's mom. Jason is yes, a new person from last week.
0: Yes, of course. I know who you are. Thank you. Thank you very much, you. doctor. And we'll see you maybe next time. Absolutely. Happy to help. And you know, uh, take good care. I hope you will think about what I've said. Watch it again. Understand what is going on with your child. And, you know, don't let anyone tell you this is it. There is always hope.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Alexandra. That was
0: the part two, the final part of this uh, podcast. Again, remember to watch both the parts so you understand everything that was spoken about because there was a lot of uh, scientific information, a lot of strategies that were uh, spoken of, you know, I always say that autism moms do some of the best research on the planet for their children, don't they? And don't we, is what I should say, because I'm one myself, right? Anyways, I'm so glad you guys were able to join me for part two, and I look forward to seeing you at the next episode of Autism Approved with BioNexus Health. I'll see you then. Namaste.
1: Thank you for joining Master Herbalist Dr. Jodie A. Dashaw, Director of the BioNexus Health Clinic and BioNexus Herbals, on the BioNexus Health Podcast, where we explore and share information and stories about recovering and healing from chronic and environmental illnesses such as mold biotoxin illness, Lyme disease, autism spectrum disorder, fatigue, Crohn's and colitis, mast cell activation syndrome, PANS, and more. Please help us grow our message by subscribing to our podcast channel and sharing the podcast on your social networks. For more information, visit BionexusHealth.com. Information within this video, audio, or text collectively known as the podcast, has not been reviewed by the FDA. Nothing within the podcast is intended as or should be construed as medical advice. Information is for general informational and educational purposes only. Consumers of the podcast should consult with their healthcare practitioners for medical recommendations. Seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider. Do not disregard the advice of a healthcare provider based on any information from the podcast. The information within the podcast may contain information concerning dietary supplements or over-the-counter products that are not drugs. Our dietary supplement products are not intended for use as a means to cure, treat, prevent, diagnose, or mitigate any disease or other medical or abnormal condition.